We're coming up on our headliner of the evening. A man whose name is right on the poster. He's great. He's got a great suit. He's been touring across this country, this up and down, this beautiful country of ours. He's open for the likes of Mike McDonald. He's Cheryl Shaw's baby boy. I'd like you to give it up for Mr. Justin Shaw.
But how, let me tell you how a snowmobile is safer than a crazy carpet. It's not! <laughs> Basically, for those of you unaware, a crazy carpet, sorry, carpet living with a mental illness. <laughs> <laughs>
odd. We should have definitely left the airport by now. Haven't moved. I'm getting a little antsy. No one is saying anything. I'm like, all right, well, just for shits and gigs, I might as well just put on The Shining by Stephen King, which is a bit of a tone difference if you're picking up when I'm laying down. We're watching this. We're still not leaving. Hour one goes by. We're not moving. Hour two goes by. We're not moving. Hour three, we're still not moving. And I say, fuck it. You know what? Let's put on the Lord of the Rings trilogy because it takes longer to get to Halifax than it does to get to Mount Mordor. I'm going to write a strongly worded letter to everybody. Luckily, we take off. Thank God. Okay, a three-hour delay on a plane on the tarmac. That is unheard of, but clearly, there must have been weather, and there must be a delay in Halifax as well. No. <laughs> as soon as I get to Halifax, I get there, I panic, I look at the board. Before I can even see my gate, I hear my name on the PA for the second time in my life. I hear, bung, paging Mr. Shaw to gate 13. Your plane's about to leave without you, you idiot or something. I don't know, I stop listening, I just grab my two bags, and I start running. Now these are bad, this is a backpack and a little rolly thing. I'm not using any of them the way they should be. I have them over my shoulders like a Sherpa going up a mountain. And I'm wearing skinny jeans at the time, and I've been sitting for three hours, so I have like no use in my legs. I'm running. And I'm going and I'm terrifying people as I'm running by. There's a pair of old people just pointing and staring, going, wow, that unaccompanied minor looks terrible. Then my bag rips open and up flies my hair gel, and I go, no, I stuck that past security. And I go, I get to the little, I get to the gate, gate 13. I go, I'm here. I made it. I just made it. And they go, no, this isn't the gate. This is the clearance. You have to go down the hall through the doors to get to the plane. I'm like, damn it. Okay, fine. Pick up the bags and I go. I'm going down the hall. Then I see the door. I see the window. With the airplane, I'm there. All I have to do is go through the door, and I open the door. Ka-chook. Ka-chook. <laughs> Those of you that aren't picking up on that sound effect, ka-chook is not a good sound. <laughs> the sound I was hoping for was open. <laughs> Instead, I got ka-chook closed. So I panic, and I see the airplane through the window, and it's a great big window. So I did what any logical person would do. I jumped on the windowsill of the, of the airport, and I start banging on the window, as if it's the end of the movie The Graduate, and I'm Dustin Hoffman, and I can hear Mrs. Robinson playing in the background, and I'm banging, and I'm banging, and I'm yelling. But then this man who's dressed as a pilot, I refuse to acknowledge him as a real pilot. A real pilot would have been way more helpful. He comes up, and he's like, oh, does there seem to be a problem here, sir? Oh, no, I just wanted a closer look at the plane, so I could wave goodbye leave without me. Oh, well maybe you should go talk to someone. So, yeah, no shit, Jack. Can you help me out here? Sorry, I work for WestJet. I exactly want to say hello. I'm supposed to be on this plane. I'm three hours late. I'm sorry. I have my bags. Can someone please unlock the door so I can get on my plane and go home? Please. And what? What I ended up saying when I got to the gate was, door's not open. <laughs> door's <laughs> <laughs> and she's on her headset. She goes, I just paid security to come and unlock the door. You idiot. Go back down there. And I, or something. I wasn't listening. I pick up my back. And I run back down. And then the lady, she's in her little hazmat suit. She's opened the door. She goes, wow, you're a little late, don't you think, bud? And I said, a wizard is never late. He arrives precisely when he intends to. <laughs> Lord of the Rings reference. I get my bags and my trust issues. Get this plane. Now, I don't know if many of you travel to the Maritime, I don't know if you go around places and stuff, don't know, but the, the plane from Halifax to Charlottetown, it's not a plane, that's just a tin can that they put in a slingshot. So, I get on the airplane, and I'm there, I got my bags, and the guy, the pilot, 
you might be a real pilot. He says, hey, can I take your bags, bud? And I said, no! Take the seat, and I'm holding my bags, and at this time, I'm really tense, I'm really anxious, and I'm finally starting to let go and release, and it's been a long, strenuous journey for me. I drop my bags, and then suddenly I feel the sensation in my body, the anxiety releasing itself, and it's the only thing I could do. I took the little paper bag in front of me in the seat ahead of me, and I puked. <laughs> I puked like a freshman. <laughs> I puked like a teenager who broke into his aunt's liquor cabinet for the first time. I puked like a six-year-old with tonsillitis. Fact, I've been all three of those young men at some point in my life, but nothing compared to the little nest of puke I made on this little airplane that has yet to leave the tarmac. <laughs> The rest of the passengers were rightfully mortified because what do you do when you have this little bag of your own vomit? I can't just like leave it there because as the other people behind me are leaving, like I know what that was. I know the story there, and I can't exactly take it with me in a subtle way. I can't be like, what? No, this? Oh, I came on with this. But then as I was leaving the airplane, I saw the pilot and I said, you know what, Jack, I changed my mind. There's a bag you can take. <laughs> you can be anywhere else tonight. This place is sold out. That's crazy to me. There's like lots of other entertainment. It's like too much entertainment these days. Uh, you ever hear of the fucking escape rooms these days? <laughs> what the fuck were they thinking there? That's an anomaly to me. I'm still wrapping my head around it. I did my first escape room the other day. It was Alcatraz themed. <laughs> Nothing says upper middle class privilege like pretending to have your rights and freedom stripped of for fun. Oh, how quaint! I hope we can get out. Also, I've never been to prison. Surprise. Uh, but I have a feeling that they don't like joking about escaping from prison. I have a hard time the real Alcatraz was like, you are in here for 25 to life for double homicide. Unless you can answer me these riddles for three. Riddle the first. I get smaller the older I get. A candle. Correct. Yes. Um, I, I did grow up here on Prince Edward Island. Uh, my last job that I had here on Prince Edward Island was at a pawn shop. Uh, for legal reasons, I cannot say the name of the pawn shop, but it's not the job I most wanted. Uh, um, but what was interesting was one day at work, there was this little old man that came in every day, looked at the DVD section, never talked to anybody, none of the staff helped him, he never bought anything and he left. Then one day I said, you know what, I'm going to be the brave champion and go and talk to this guy. Figure out what's his deal. And I go up to him, he's looking at the DVDs, and I go, hey bud, anything I can help you with? And he goes, oh yeah, I'm just looking at the DVD section. You got lots of movies. I see you got lots of NCIS. And I go, yeah, that's a great show. You know how you lie to strangers. <laughs> and he stops and looks at me and goes, You've seen NCIS? <laughs> and I'm on the clock and kind of afraid of stranger danger. So I'm like, yeah, that's a great show, man. And then he launches a 20-minute, one-sided conversation about NCIS that I have to stand and listen to and nod and smile. And I can't contribute to this conversation. So those of you that don't know anything about NCIS, me too. 
It's a hard show to pretend to know anything about based only on the DVD box art. It's like, oh yeah, I know lots about the adventures of boat cops. Yeah. <laughs> but then I'm realizing old people who shop at this pawn shop, they're a lot like having an above ground swimming pool with a leak in it. They won't stop until they're empty. <laughs> Just keep talking. But then finally, by the grace of God, he decides to leave. And I'm like, all right, I paid, I paid my time. You gotta tell me, sir, why? Why did you, why do you always come in here? You never buy anything. And he stops, and he looks at me, and he says, that's the way she goes. Sometimes she goes, sometimes she don't. And then he left. <laughs> and I've never seen him again. It was like reciting that maritime riddle somehow lifted the witch's curse. And he just went into the mist. What if I wasn't from the maritime? I thought that was a clue to decipher crime of some kind. That's the way she goes. Sometimes she goes, sometimes she... The quarry. No, it's just nonsense. So I thought I'd make a joke about it. I wrote a tweet about this. Half what Twitter was relevant. I wrote a joke. We're going to play a little game, folks. It's called, Where Did the Joke Go Wrong? <laughs> and what's fun about this joke is, this game, no matter what you guess, you're probably right. <laughs> now, we're going to break down the joke. We're going to stop and see where the joke went wrong. <clears throat> Misconnection. You're an old man. I'm a man boy, which is a terrible way to describe anyone, let alone yourself. Man boy is like, like the world's shittiest superhero, like the strength of a boy in the body of a man. Man boy. You're an old man, I'm a man boy. We chatted at the DVD section for 20 minutes about NCIS. Let's be pals. If it ended there, it would have been 9 out of 10 creepy. <laughs> but I had to go the extra mile. <clears throat> Let's be pals. Hashtag no Nambla. For those of you that don't know what Nambla means, good. Nambla is an acronym for the very real North American Man-Boy Love Association. Do not Google it unless you like being kicked off of certain airplanes for the rest of your life. And I thought No Nambla was a fun parody of the stupid joke No Homo, which is punched down like, it's a joke dude bros like to make with each other, where they say, hey dude, sweet frosted tips, bro, no homo. Yo, hey bro, sweet East Coast lifestyle t-shirt, no homo. Hey dude, you ever think we just suppress our vulnerability until it manifests into toxic masculinity? No homo. Punch down. So I wanted to punch up and get those no good nicks at Nambla. But what I didn't realize that if you put misconnection Man, boy, and Nambla in one joke on the internet, you become the most popular person online. I felt like the prettiest girl at the dance. I had people sliding into my DMs before sliding into DMs was a thing. I got a message from one guy. He sent, to, sent me a message at 2 a.m. He said, hey, two wise. And I replied, because I'm an idiot. I replied back. Hey, he said, do you like TV? <laughs> I said, yeah. He said, do you like NCIS? <laughs> I said, yeah, still haven't seen this show. Why am I catfishing this man? <laughs> I said, yeah. 
he says, you want to come over and watch season three, disc five of NCIS? And I got a problem saying no to people <laughs> and being online when I should be doing real things. So instead of saying no, I just said, well, which episode? <laughs> Still haven't seen a single episode of this show, so this time, just keep the catfishing rolling. I'm Googling NCIS and going on Wikipedia, giving like plot synopsis so I can understand what he's saying. Like, oh yeah, I love the Naval Crime Unit on CBS. A spin-off of Jag. And then eventually he calls BS on me. He says, you know what, bud? I don't think you've even seen NCIS. I don't even think you want to come over and watch TV in my basement without windows. <laughs> What's the deal, fella? And I just said to him, well, that's the way she goes. <laughs> she goes. And she don't. I love a callback in a joke because it's like a dog wiping its feet after he took a shit. He's just like, yeah, I left that there. <laughs> Um, I'm, in a, I'm in a happy, healthy relationship now. Go life and love and all that shit. Uh, it's great. I've never been in a relationship before where I've lived with my partner, where we didn't have like another co-roommate, like a co-friend to kind of diffuse the tension. So it's just her and I just living together in an apartment. And it's nice. Uh, but there's a thing called boundaries that I'm learning. Uh, I love my time in the bathroom. It is sacred time, and I love it because it's my alone time. No one else can come in, and for safety, whatever that means, I lock the door. And one day, my partner, she called me on it. She's like, hey, it's, like, it's just us and the dog in here. Why are you locking the door? Like, what's the big idea? And I'll tell you why I lock the fucking door, ladies and gentlemen. Take you back to the date I had with a girl. Yeah. <laughs> Lower Montague. <laughs> Place names. Um, thought it'd be a real hoot to have dinner with her parents. Uh, my first time meeting them. And the dad comes in. I thought maybe he'd be one of those really uh, scary, kind of gruff dads, but he was a dad that would always laugh without smiling. <laughs> he'd come up to me and go, Hey there! <laughs> into the rumpus room, we laugh for 10 minutes at the word rumpus room. <laughs> we go upstairs, check out all the corridors and shit, and uh, we end the tour in the dining room, which is right next to the bathroom. So I say, hey, dad, because we're there. Hey, dad, what's the, why, 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 why is the bathroom so close to the, uh, the dining room? And he says, well, <laughs> if something ever goes wrong, <laughs> Joking. I, I was very serious. Because in case you haven't noticed from the past like half hour or so, I'm a pretty anxious person. Things wind me up. The last time I was on an airplane, I threw up because I was kind of scared. So now I'm here having 
dinner. I'm getting nervous. There's all these pre all this pressure from people that I'm supposed to impress, and they're like, "What do you do for a living?" And I'm like, "Comedian." And they're like, "That's not a living." I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just eat the rump roast. He's like, "Call the rumpus roast." Good. And I'm like, "Yeah, I hate this conversation." <laughs> and then the mixture of anxiety and rumpus roast starts to build up within the pit of my gut. And yeah, I'm feeling the nasty, and I'm nervous because it's gonna happen. And I say, man, please be excused. So I jumped the two feet to the bathroom, closed the door, and I proceeded to have my very first panic attack. Closed the door because I gotta, I, you gotta do the nasty, right? You gotta do the thing. And I'm worried because what if, what if they can smell me? They're trying to enjoy a nice rumpus roast. I have to do nature right now. And being a lover, not a thinker. I thought of a plan. I took two cans of Lysol, and I was gonna spray it, give a nice pre-based of The smells were lilac and waterfall, two smells that do not occur simultaneously in nature. I might spray the room nice and coated. It's like I'm journeying through the Congo now. Nice and Nice thick coat, and I'm making my way with this ambiguous smell, and I stop and I think, wait, what if they can hear me? And I don't mean like the sound of physical ejection of the nasty. I mean that deafening plop that can be heard echoing in the toilet bowl as if it's in the grand fucking canyon. That plop that says you're done, son. Being a lover, not a thinker, thought of another plan. No. This is not a suggestion. Did you think of leaving the bathroom? No, not an option at this time, buddy. Anyway, um, I thought of a plan. I'm gonna make a little nest with some toilet paper. And I'm gonna take the nest boiled with my own artisanal hands, and I'm gonna place it in the toilet. Nay, said the logic, not in the toilet. I'll place it upon the ground. And I, yes, I will hover a box set. Release the nasty into the nest, and pick it up, and flush it away. <laughs> and as I'm in this vulnerable pose, I couldn't help but think of the movie Armageddon. Directed by Michael Bay, 1999. Uh, I'm standing there, with my thighs out, thinking of the movie Armageddon. I couldn't help but think of that one scene between Ben Affleck and Liv Tyler, where Liv looks to Ben and says, Hey, do you think anyone is doing exactly what we're doing? <laughs> With his classic jawline, he replies, Yeah, or else what are we trying to save? If someone else in the world is doing exactly what I'm doing to impress a girl's parents who I'm meeting for the first time at a dinner party, this is not a world worth saving. An asteroid three times the size of Texas can certainly come down and put me out of my misery. The worst parts of the Bible are happening in this bathroom. I'm there. Wow. I look down, like God on the seventh day, looking at his most perfect creation. <laughs> I could stay a winning <laughs> Soundtrack humor. So, I 
bend over and pick up the nest. But because of the mist in the room, I slipped, lost my balance, hit my head in the sink, and I passed out next to a nest of my own ass. <laughs> it was at that moment, that day, I had not only my first panic attack, but also my first out-of-body experience. <laughs> Floating above, I looked down at an awkward 20-something, coiled, vulnerable position. A little nest, his own business. Next to two empty cans of Lysol. <laughs> my biggest regret, folks, that, that fateful day was not, not choosing to nasty in a nest, give the room a nice even coating of Lysol, two grand. Not even telling you folks the story, I don't even regret that. What I regret the most is not locking the fucking door. <laughs> Before we end it off here, folks, I'm going to tell you a little story and bring it nice and weird for a second. Years ago, I did my first set for my parents uh, at the Whiskey in Stratford because I made it. <laughs> uh, performing there, the first time, I was, I'd been at it for like three, four years at the time. First time my mom got to see me do stand-up and I was nervous, excited, all those dumb feelings. She comes, it was a great show, everyone had a lot of fun. She says to me after the show, that was so fun, and you were the best one on the show. And I said, naturally. <laughs> she said, no, I'm not just saying that because you're my son. I mean it, you were the best one, I loved it. And I said, well, if I was, okay then, if, uh, if I was your favorite, then what was your favorite joke that you heard tonight? Because I'm someone who likes to make an audience think and reflect on the words that they're hearing, the stories that they're experiencing. What was your favorite joke that you heard tonight? She goes, I don't know. I don't remember him. <laughs> so mom, how, how can I be your favorite comedian tonight if you don't remember a single joke that I told? And she said, I don't remember the words that you said, but I remember how you made me feel. I like, can't argue that. <laughs> so folks, all I wanted for tonight at one point would have been to make you all think, reflect, and pause, and experience this world that's falling apart around us. So if you can laugh and have a good time, that's great. But if you can take one guaranteed piece of truthful advice with you tonight, brush your damn teeth. <laughs> <laughs>